So it says in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human except you, except to you, your majesty would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repelled. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. So Daniel had a routine. He had a way of practicing his faith. He had a way of following God, and that required him to pray three times a day. So he practiced the spiritual practices in a routine, and a rhythm that didn't change for anything. So if you know the story of Daniel, this is actually placed way back in time. So going back maybe three three, three and a half thousand years ago, so a long time ago when Babylon, the Medes and the Persians and the Babylonians ruled the earth. And Daniel was just a slave, a Jewish slave when he was brought into the kingdom of Babylon. But even as a young slave with no rights and no freedom, he prayed three times a day. Then he began to rise to success. There was, he was talented. And the rulers of the day, the Babylonians, they identified Daniel is a talented young man, and even during his rise, his talented early years in his career, he still prayed three times a day. Eventually, he was chosen to be an advisor to the king, to the ruler of the whole earth, and still Daniel prayed to his God three times a day. Eventually, this decree came that no one could pray to any God except the king, but Daniel still prayed three times a day. And even when he was thrown into the lion's den, when he went through injustice, when he was tricked by these rulers, he was tricked so that he would pray and they could catch him in the act of praying to God and not to the king. Daniel still, even in the lion's den, prayed three times a day. You know, I think about this and I wonder, when would I switch off my spiritual practices or my routine? Would I switch it off when I was a young man in bondage and a slave? Would I ah, chuck God away then? Would I throw God away when I began to rise into fame, when I began to get some position? Would I say, yes, so this should happen to me. This is my right to have some freedom. I started my life as a slave. Now I'm climbing the pecking order. I don't need to pray three times a day anymore. Look, I've dragged myself up by the bootlaces. Is that when I would stop praying three times a day? What about if I became advisor to the king, the second most powerful person in all of Australia? Then would I pray three times a day? Maybe then I would lose my spiritual rhythm. Maybe then church and community and prayer and all of these practices would become negotiable because I'd be so important and so famous and have such a big pay packet every year being advisor to the king. It's challenging, isn't it? But Daniel's routine he practiced his faith. He stuck with his schedule despite 
slavery, despite fame, despite position, despite lion's dens, despite decrees or rules that would threaten him. The practices we've been talking about, the seven practices, can be seen as a routine. They need to be put together. And if you think through a week, think quickly for a moment, what does your week look like? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? And we're going to start to talk the next, today and next Sunday about how do you put these practices into your routine if they're not in there already. You see, the practice of simplicity is something that really we should be practicing every minute. This practice is so transformative because it follows us every minute. How do I simplify my life in order to be with God? Simplification requires me to say a lot of no. A lot of no to this, no to that. No to, I had free tickets to go to the footy last night. Thank goodness I didn't go because St Kilda lost. But I said no because I've got Sunday and I want to be fresh and I want to be here and I want to be able to serve you well with a sermon. So I said no to that because this is what simplicity is about. Say no to spending money I don't have. Say no to doing things that are beyond my limitations and simplify my life, simplify my schedule, simplify what I'm doing with my time in order to live out who God has called me to be. I think that the practices of prayer, scripture, silence, and solitude is something that we can do every day. For me, this is getting up at 6.45 most mornings. I got up this morning and just spending some moments in prayer, talking to God, reading the word of God, taking some deep breaths, having some silence without kids climbing on me, without phone calls, without looking at social media, and just every day having a moment of prayer, scripture, silence, and solitude. Or maybe you move this around over a day. Maybe like Daniel, you can practice what's called the daily office, which is praying morning, noon, and night, and actually finding time there. I think every week is a good time for fasting, Sabbath, and living in community. So for me at the moment, fasting isn't every week. It's been more seasonal. I did a lot of fasting coming into this year, um, but it's something that I want to build into my practices every week, but I'm not there yet. But it's something Uh, to encourage ourselves with the the Sabbath I've been doing a lot better at, but that's obviously a weekly thing to build that in. And then even beyond that, when we think about the practices, a week sometimes feels very short. But I want to encourage you, think beyond a week. Think about a month. Think about a term. What you could do over a month. What you could do over a term. Maybe you're just beginning and, 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 and you love the idea of the Sabbath and you know you need to slow down, but maybe once a month, is just a beginning level for you. That's fine. Start wherever you're at. It's not about doing what I do. It's not about doing what Jesus did just yet, but move towards what's the next step for you. Maybe you can Sabbath once a month. A great idea is to actually maybe take a day or an afternoon or even overnight, once a month, once a term, and go away and have some silence and solitude on your own. And maybe for you, just beginning, that might be two hours, just driving somewhere, spending two hours walking on the beach or going to the, a park, and just quieten yourself down, slow down your life, and just begin to listen to what God is saying. There's nothing better than the voice of God, the very voice of the creator of the universe speaking into your life. But if there's too much noise, it's very difficult to hear. Take some time, go away. Think about it. A slowed down spirituality empowers us to reject hurry in order to follow Jesus well and to discover life to the full. God isn't trying to take anything away from you. He wants to give you life and life to the full, the fullness of joy and peace and purpose and all the good things that we want from God, but they only come if we slow down. But why don't we slow down? Why don't we do what's better for us? 
We don't slow, slow down because we have a problem with time. We have a big problem with time. The reason we can't slow down to be with Jesus, even though we know it's better for us, is because we have a problem with time. I'm going to let you in on a little secret this morning. Okay? I usually give you about a secret every week, don't I? A little hint. The answer to the problem of time is not more time. The answer to the problem of time is not more time. But this is how we live, isn't it? If I just had a few more hours in the day, if once I get through this project at work, or once I get through this birthday party coming up with my kids, or once I get through this sickness, then after that, I'll be okay, and we'll have some space. Things will slow down around here. Our house will settle a little bit more. But that's never the way it is. Has that ever happened to anybody? No, we just pitch this event in the future and say, once we get through that, then things will slow down. I'm too busy. It's what everyone talks about all the time. How's your week been? Oh, busy. How's work going? Oh, busy at the moment. We all struggle with time, but the answer is not more time. The answer is looking at the right clock, is following the time the right way. This, I bet you didn't guess it, is a clock. This is the wrong time to follow. Who told you to live by this clock? Who told you that nine to five was the way that we should live our lives? Who told you it should be five days we work and then we save up our money so we can party on the weekend? Who divided time up like this? This is the Aussie clock. This is the cultural clock. This is the time that we're we become enslaved to. This is the time that makes us rush. How many times a day do you think you look at your clock? Hundreds. Your life is consumed. You try to sit down and pray, and what happens in your head? I've got to do this job. I'm going to pray this morning, spend some time with Jesus, but then I'm thinking about, oh, my first appointment or my first thing, or I've got to get the kids to school, or someone's got to eat, or we're always about the next appointment. We're always under pressure from time. Now, I know this is going to be a little bit corny, but this is the only other thing I could think of, okay? This is a smiling Jesus. It's a smiling Jesus, and I'm sorry if you're not a Christian here or if you're just getting into this stuff, but it's a bit of a corny Christian picture. It's a smiling Jesus, okay? Now, this is a very different clock. This is living your life following Jesus, looking to God for how you live your life, how you order your steps, how you schedule your week. This has no 1, 2, 3 p.m. This has no appointment. This has no pressure. God is not in a hurry. Following Jesus is very different. So how do we get stuck in this time, the Aussie clock? Well, Aussie time is all about progressivism, about progressing. It kind of looks like this. Everything that we're encouraged to do in our life is always up and to the right. Has anyone noticed that? Time or using our time or living our life successfully is is going up and to the right. So we move from not so much to a lot. We move from a little bit of money to a lot of money, success. We move from a few entertainment options to a lot of entertainment options, success. 
We move from not very good looking to buying some new clothes and marrying a pretty wife. Success. Aussie time, cultural time is all about moving up the ladder. It's all about the chart going in the right direction. Aussies don't do very well when that chart goes backwards or downwards or towards decline. We don't handle death well. We don't handle things ending well. We don't handle friendships coming to an end. We don't handle having to move on to the next season of our life very well. We don't do well when things peter out or go neutral or go into decline because we've been sold this story of progressivism. And it's not a Christian idea, it's actually an evolutionary idea. It comes from the idea that we're always evolving. And as humans, we're always evolving to something better, apparently. Well, that's the naturalistic view of the world, that we're always moving towards something better because we're evolving. You might remember in the Barack Obama presidency, he said many, many, many times that you don't want to be caught on the wrong side of history. We're doing this because we want to be on the right side of history. Many politicians now use that language. Many business people use that language. It's this idea that as time progresses, future generations are going to look back on us and what we did, and we want to be on the right side of history. Because the future generations are smarter than us. Anyone that's in the future is more intelligent, more beautiful, more well put together. It's the idea that anything moving in this direction is going to be better, and anything in that direction, like tradition or like history, has nothing to teach us. You know, people today, modern people, because of this idea of time, are ironically kind of ahistorical or are historical snobs or are ignorant about what's happened in history. It's amazing the lack of historical understanding of the world that people have. They don't really know what happened before. But we're not encouraged to look at the past and learn from it. We're encouraged to dismiss the past and whatever is different from the past is progressive is evolving, is moving forward. Biblical time is very different. It's not linear. It's not about moving up in the chart. It's not about success indicators of money or looks or, or status or titles. It's very, very different. The Christian idea of time is actually just split into two things. There's a pre-Jesus and a post-Jesus. There's a pre-kingdom age and there's a post-kingdom age. So Jesus says in Mark 1 verse 14 and 15, he says, the time has come. So John the Baptist has been put into prison. It's time to proclaim the good news or what we call the gospel. This is the message that Jesus came to bring the world. And in verse 15, Jesus says, the time has come. But he's not talking about this time. He's not talking about the calendar time, he's talking about the time of the kingdom of heaven coming to earth. He says, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Following Jesus, talking to Jesus, becoming like Jesus is a very different clock to watch. There's no hurry. There's no stress. There's no pain. Jesus actually said, come to me all who are burdened. Come to me all who are weary, and I'll give you rest. Jesus' yoke is easy. Jesus' burden is light. 
It's not a pressurized, anxiety-provoking kind of time. It's a slow time. It's a kingdom of God time. So before the kingdom of God, before Jesus says, said, my kingdom come, my will be done, was a time of darkness. It was like a night time. When Jesus came into the world, it was the light was shone before all men. And this is biblical language I'm using, so things that are written in the Bible. Jesus came as the light of the earth. See, before Jesus was a time of darkness, a spiritual darkness, ignorance about God and who God was. But Jesus came and says, my kingdom is coming. It's a kingdom of light. It's a kingdom of life. Now, you and I live on this side. So we live in the morning, so to speak. We live in the day. The light has dawned. It's a new time has come. It's a time where heaven is coming down to earth and heaven comes and it's perfect and it doesn't have suffering and it doesn't have pain and it begins to come to earth and it heals and miracles happen and life change changes and things that are broken are restored and people who are hurting are made whole. This is what happens in the kingdom age. That's why Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent, get your heart right because this is only gonna be good for the humanity, good for the human race. But we live in the dawn of this day. We live in the morning, the early morning of this time. The light is not shining fully yet. There's miracles, but not everything we pray for. Not every prayer we pray is answered. Our lives can be transformed by God as we come into the light, but we're still a work in progress. Did anyone notice? You're still being perfected. You're still being changed by God. You're still being encouraged by God to grow up and take responsibility for your life. You see, things aren't perfect yet. It isn't heaven on earth yet. It's like we live in the dawn where the darkness, it's still there a little bit. We can't quite see yet. We don't have full visibility of noonday, but the kingdom age has begun, has been going now for 2,000 years, and it's going to only get brighter and brighter and brighter. This clock here is about speed. It's all about racing against the clock, speeding up. This clock here following Jesus, we can go to the next slide, is all about slowing down. Ephesians 5.15 says, look carefully then how you walk. Look at your life, how you walk, how you journey, look at your schedule. Not as unwise, but as wise. What do you want to be? Do you want to be smart about this? Do you want to be wise or unwise? Making the best use of time because the days are evil. This time here is about speeding up. It's about wanting. It's about rushing. It's about buying. It's about materialism. It's about workaholism. It's about consumerism. Repeat. This clock here is very different. Slowing down is about recognizing what season of life are you in? If you're in a, a winter season of life, well, things aren't going to be up and to the right. Business might not be up and to the right. Your marriage might not look like up and to the right. Your kids might not be growing up and to the right. Things are often not successful. One of the biggest problems people have when they hit their 30s and 40s is dealing with the disappointment of what their life actually is compared to what they thought it was going to be when they were 22. Because we live by this time. How often have you said, have I said, wow, I'm 32 and I haven't done X. Wow, I'm 45 and I didn't accomplish X. Wow, now I'm hitting 60 and I thought I was going to be here. 
Why? Because we're living looking at the wrong clock. Jesus measures things totally different. The Christian, it's all about the season. The Bible talks very little about this time, although Jesus is, did come at a particular historical moment in history. On the timeline of history, Jesus was there in a moment. Yes, he entered this time. Yes, 2,000 years ago, he entered time. We're put in time, historical time, but he came in this time to point us to this time, that we could live outside of the slavery to the clock, to the appointment, to the finances, to the up and to the right. And this time is agricultural. It's about summer. It's about spring. It's about winter. It's about autumn. It's about understanding where you're at in your life. And not every season is growth, and not every season is the leaves falling off, and not every season is the fruit being born. But it will come in cycles, and through the cycles, God will grow you and mature you through the testing. He'll change you. God's time is a totally different scoreboard. This time is all about the inner. Everything God wants to do inside of you is about this time. He wants to work on your character. He wants to work on your patience. He wants to work on your ability to love. He wants to work on all the things on the inside that nobody sees. This time is about not aging too quickly. It's about keeping your good looks. It's about staying thin. It's about having money. It's about a position at work. It's all about progression, progressivism. Success is about moving forward, whatever that looks like for you. Because you look at someone else's scoreboard and you might look at that and go, well, that's dumb. They're living for these things. But guess what? You have your dumb scoreboard and I have my dumb scoreboard. Whatever we came up with that we think is successful up and to the right. Where God is sitting there going, I couldn't care less about how you look, what you wear, how much money you have in the bank, how spiritual you think you are. I don't care. I care about your heart. I care about your character. I care about how you survive a trial. I care about when things are going wrong, do you fall to your knees and rely on me and put your faith in me? Most people go through a crisis. Most people have their moment in the lion's den as Christians and they move away from the church community and they move away from serving at church and they move away from tithing and they move away from prayer and they move away from the spiritual disciplines where God is trying to have you on a time course that when things go wrong, you move towards him. The habits and the practices of prayer and scripture are the things that come to the fore in the crisis, are the things that come out of your heart when things go wrong. This is what Jesus is attempting to build you for. But we have a, splat, a clash of scoreboards. Even as you're sitting there, it's hard to hear, to comprehend, to understand what am I living for? What is the scoreboard that I'm following? What are the numbers that tell me success? Are they the numbers of hours in prayer, money that I've given away to people to be generous, how I open my home up with hospitality, how I love the unlovely, how I follow Jesus with all my heart? Is that your scoreboard? Are they the numbers that you're looking at? Because they're not very sexy, let's be honest. They're not external. No one looks at those and goes, oh, fantastic, you spent four hours in prayer this morning that no one knows about. No one cares about that, but God does. But having a bank account or having a job, or, oh, I do this for a job and I send important emails around. and You know, they're things that we put on our scoreboard. Or for someone else, it's like, well, I don't have a job and I never work and no one can tell me what to do. And that's your scoreboard, to never work, but to get through life without having a proper job. But we all have some scoreboard that is trying to overcome the limitation, the problem of time. 
The spiritual practices help us do that better than anything. This week, our practice for the week, we're going to do this over the next two weeks, so you're going to get two cracks at this, but our practice for the week, and if you haven't been involved in the practices yet for the last seven, no, eight weeks, I'd encourage you to get involved this week. So I've got a video for you. It goes for about 10 or 15 minutes, and it explains a lot about what we're talking about today. But then it takes you through how to renovate your weekly schedule, how to actually flip your weekly schedule on its head, how to actually look at your weekly schedule with brutally honest eyes and go, where is God in this schedule? Where is prayer? Where is scripture? Because your calendar reflects what you value most. Your diary will show you what's most important to you about life. And if you're crappy at keeping a diary, then maybe do a timesheet for a week, and then you can look back on your week when you've done your timesheet, and that will show you what's most important to you. Where did you spend one of your greatest assets of time? Because guess what? We all have 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 168 hours a week. That's what we have. We all have the same. And some people change the world with that, and some people do nothing with that. Some people become the most famous athletes or musicians of all time, and some of us play our guitar and kick around balls and no one cares. But we all have the same amount of time. Some of us raise 15 kids, some of us have no kids. It's okay. We all have the same amount of time. Comparing what you've done with your time is just getting stuck in this worldly system. Following Jesus and doing what he's asking you to do with your time, that is life transformative and life to the full. Recently, I renovated my weekly schedule, or Zoe and I dramatically renovated our weekly schedule. We didn't start with the question of how can I lose some weight or how can we get more family time or you know, how can we you know, watch a bit less TV. That wasn't the question you want to start with when you're renovating your schedule. The question you want to start with is how do I get closer to God? Because I'm not here this morning as some life coach telling you to eat some tips on how to get more performance out of your life. I'm here this morning as a pastor encouraging you to have a deeper relationship with God who desperately wants to talk to you and desperately wants to spend time with you. But you hold all the power. God doesn't come and kick your door in and say, hey, listen to me. Hey, do this stuff. Hey, this is better for you. God doesn't do that. He's like a good father who waits patiently and you have all the power to invite him into your life, to invite him into your schedule or not. It's all up to you and he's not going to force you. He's not going to make you. So I started with the question of, Zoe and I started with the question of, well, how do we do this? How do we get closer to God? That was the question. Without any other motives. We didn't want more money. We didn't want more whatever. We don't want more of this. We just, well, how do we get closer to God? Immediately, our schedule became the first problem. What we were doing with time or stuck in this time warp became the first thing that obviously needed to change. We needed to have a different rhythm for our week. We needed to actually intentionally take hold of our time and our rhythm for the week and actually make it a rhythm and a schedule that served the purposes of God in our life. So much of us have a schedule that just happens. It's just a reactive schedule. It's just we feel something, so we do something on Wednesday night. We want something, so we try and do that on Friday. We have to go here. We should go there. We get asked to go out for this coffee or that beer or this family function, so we should keep them happier. We should keep them happier. So much of our schedules are not intentional. They're just reactive to whatever's going on in the moment. 
Taking control of your schedule only works if God is at the forefront. If not, you just have to discipline yourself and get a better schedule, but there'll be no power. When God breathes on your week and breathes on your schedule, then you'll be able to do this practice this week and it will transform your life. It won't be easy to change your schedule. It won't be easy because you're in a routine. Whether you chose it or not, you have a routine, you have habits, and they are forming you and shaping you. Whether you want them to form you or shape you, it doesn't really matter. They are forming you and shaping you. Even if you didn't choose to have the habits you have, you have them because you've allowed them into your life and they're shaping you into a certain kind of person. Is it shaping you into the man or woman of God that you want to be? Or is your schedule shaping you into something that, it's not really, doesn't really look like following Jesus that great. It's not really affecting anyone. It's not really, you know, is the schedule you have the kind of schedule you want your children to grow up and have? Because your schedule is discipling your family and anyone who lives with you. Your schedule is discipling your roommates and those guys that live with you. And God wants to enter in there. It's funny, as we began to look at our schedule, the two biggest things that came up for me and Zoe, first of all, was what we consume digitally. Not food, but what we consume digitally. And amazingly, God's led us on this journey where we've dramatically change that. Zoe's got off all social media. I'm not on social media except for stuff I put on there to try and help people, but I don't consume it at all. And it was just something that we felt we needed to do to get out of this and to get into this. The second thing that happened, which I did not expect, was I totally changed my sleep routine, how I go to bed and how I get up in the morning. Guess what I did? I slowed down the hour and a half before I go to sleep, and then I have a slow warm-up in the morning as I wake up. I read this incredible book called Sleep. Uh, It's not a Christian book, so it's all right. You can read non-Christian books. It's all right. It's not a Christian book. It's just by a uh, sports doctor or a sleep doctor who works with elite athletes. And uh, I've totally changed my sleeping environment. I changed my bedding. I changed which side I sleep on. I got all of this stuff because I realized realized this, this is a crazy insight. I realized that good sleep creates great prayer. If I wanted to have a great prayer life and a deep prayer life with God in the mornings, it actually begins the night before. So often I was rushing to bed. Does rushing and sleep go well together? No. So I realized if I want to spend time with God in the morning well, I need to work out how I go to sleep so that it's conducive for good sleep and for deep sleep. And I'm going to bed at a time that helps. I need eight hours of sleep a night. I'm sorry if I sound like a giant child, but I just do. And that's part of actually what I figured out when I looked at my schedule. I went, it sucks. It sucks being this kind of person. I wish I could live off five hours. I'm like seriously jealous of people can live off five hours. I covet. I'm not allowed to covet. That's breaking the 10th commandment. But I covet the fact that they can sleep a little bit. Why? Because what I could do with three hours of extra time if I slept five rather than eight hours, because I was listening to this. But when I listened to this, I realized it's totally cool to sleep eight hours if I need it. If that equals rest for me, great. But it's not even about resting well. It's about I want to spend more time with God and more quality time with God. 
And it's only going to happen if I watch this clock, and this clock says, get eight hours of sleep. This clock says, push yourself, strive, do the five hours, get up, be a high performer. You're awesome if you do five hours. It just shows how tough you are. But that's this stupid, worldly, evolutionary clock talking to me, where this clock is saying, if you need eight hours, sleep eight hours. But I had to work, I had to say some no, no to some things at night. I've had to say some no, no to some of the ways that I used to go to bed before. Definitely had to get rid of blue screens out of my eyes in the 90 minutes before I go to sleep. Why would you bother, though? Why bother doing this practice this week? Why look at your weekly schedule? I know none of you are sitting there going, awesome, Pastor Caleb's encouraging me to spend two hours like pulling my schedule apart. I know your head's going, I can't do that. You don't understand me, Pastor Caleb. I have a very different life to everyone else. I'm super important or I'm super like my kids. Or I know all of that's going through our heads right now. But try and hear God in this this morning. God's got this really simple, beautiful motive. He's just like, I just want to spend time with you. Like I'm a dad and you're a son or a daughter. I just want to spend time with you. But this time, this clock that you're watching is getting in the road. Here's six, really quickly, six compelling reasons to change your weekly schedule. You highly value slowing down. If you highly value slowing down and living at a pace that's conducive, then you will slow down and change your schedule. You'll change your schedule because you highly value living life from what we call the divine center. You see, everyone has something at the center of their life, which is your decision-making mechanism. As a Christian, if you follow Jesus, it's meant to be God is first and then everything else comes after that. For a lot of people, it's their kids. For a lot of people, it's their work or their need to work or their need to you know, have a certain position. It's their money. It's lots of different things. It can be all kinds. Of, everything's challenging to be that idol in your life. But if you value living from the divine center, you will schedule your week, not only your week, your budget, not only your budget, but everything around God being at the center. You highly value intentional formation. So as I said before, you'll change your weekly schedule if you want to be intentional about your spiritual formation rather than be reactive. And whatever habits kind of have emerged over the years, that's the thing shaping your spiritual life. You highly value the spiritual practices. So these seven practices we've been talking about. If you value them and you want to work towards getting them in your life, not just maybe one or two, but getting all seven in your life, because they all fit together in a nice, the seven practices fit nicely in a seven-day week. But it's a journey to get there. It's a process of maturity and growing up and learning, because what's going to happen with these seven practices, and what's going to happen if you want to change your weekly schedule, is you're going to go through withdrawals. If you get off social media like Zoe and I did, you withdraw from it. It's not easy to not go back to your phone and open Instagram or Facebook or watch YouTube or whatever. It's, it's difficult when you're trying to come off something because a lot of us live on this cocaine of time, snorting it every day. It's difficult to come down from it because we're so used to the opinions and so used to appointments and so used to looking a certain way and so used to aiming at this picture of what we think will be successful. And we're addicted to this crack of time. And people are burning out. And people are falling away from God. And people don't know how to be married or how to raise kids or how to have good friendships anymore. But if you value the spiritual practices, you want them to take over. You highly value your time on earth. And I think this is really powerful. 
You believe God's put you here on this earth for a purpose and you want to make every week intentional to do what he's called you to do. So much of us live wasting time on things that are earthly where God has called us to something greater. This time begins on earth following Jesus and it goes all through eternity. It never stops. God draws you in as a son or daughter and he brings you in to relationship with him so that you can continue being in relationship with him even after your time here on earth has finished. You see, this clock ends for everybody. It ends when you frazzle through some burnout. It ends when you die. It ends when you lose that job that you put everything into, all your time into that career, and then it's gone. Eventually, this clock runs out. This clock never ends. It goes for all of eternity. So put your time where it matters. And finally, you highly value the process of a good renovation. You love a good life. Let's flip this thing. Let's rebirth this thing. Let's look at this thing. I'm encouraging you, though, if you're going to do this practice this week, you're going to have to be brutally honest about your time. And in the video, I talk about negotiable activities and non-negotiable activities and how to balance those along with the spiritual practices. So watch the video. There's, there's a whole bunch of points there to help walk you through it. And then, as usual, there's our discussion questions for the week for your life group uh, or for your uh, just at home uh, even this practice of the weekly schedule and these questions, they're great to pull out with your kids, pull out with your spouse, pull out with your roommates, whoever it is, and talk through this stuff. Because our weekly schedule and how we spend our time is something that is relevant to all of us all the time. Let's just stand up and pray this morning. Thanks, Jackson. Thank you, Lord God. Just close your eyes this morning. Let's begin to turn our hearts to God. Thank you, Jesus. Just take a big breath. We're just going to slow down right now. We're just going to slow down and focus our attention on God for the next 10 minutes as we finish today. And in this time, this 10-minute time, we're not going to race against the clock. But I'm telling you 10 minutes so you know that it will end at some point. But we just want to slow down. One of the most powerful things about Sunday morning church is the fact that we slow down and we stop to spend time with God and to hear His Word and to sit under His teaching. And we thank You, Lord God. It's an honour to come into Your house on a Sunday morning. It's an honor to be with the people of God. It's a privilege to hear your word, Lord God. So just take a couple of deep breaths if you need to. Just let your body relax. Sometimes we're so uptight physically that our heart just can't be open to God. Sometimes we're so uptight mentally, emotionally, we struggle to hear his voice. Remember, God loves you, mind, body, and soul. He loves you right now at this moment in time. And he'll love you for all time, for all of eternity. He just wants to be in relationship with you. The last few weeks, God has outlined for us very simple ways to practice being in relationship with him. These ways have been practiced by Jesus and then been practiced by Christians throughout the last 2,000 years. 
because they work, because they give us what we really want, purpose and life to the full, a flourishing existence on this earth. Jackson's just gonna sing for us. You might just wanna stand there. You might wanna sit down again. I just want you to meditate this morning. You might wanna look at the clock and let God just deal with you because you live out of this worldly, earthly clock. You might wanna look at Jesus and just think about that clock and how you wanna position yourself to be on God's time, at God's pace. Or you might wanna sing along with Jackson. Down ahead in my own strength when you're right here, Lord. I want to rush on ahead in my own strength when you're right here. I'm not in a hurry when it comes to your spirit, when it comes to your presence when it comes to your voice I'm learning to listen just to rest in your nearness I'm starting to notice you are speaking on ahead in my own strength when you're right here Lord I don't want to rush on ahead in my own strength when you're right here cause I'm not in a hurry when it comes to your spirit comes to your presence when it comes to your voice I'm learning to listen just to rest in your nearness I'm starting to notice you are speaking I'm not in a hurry when it comes to your spirit when it comes to your presence when it comes to your I'm learning to listen, just to rest in your nearness. I'm starting to notice you are speaking. Lord, I want to love life. you feel I want to see what you see Lord I I want to love like you I want to feel what you feel I want to see what you see cause I'm not in a hurry when it comes to your spirit when 
when it comes to your presence, when it comes to your voice, I'm learning to listen, just to rest in your nearness, I'm starting to repeat after me this morning. Lord God, that's it, just repeat after me. Lord God, forgive me for watching the wrong clock, for wasting my time, stressing, rushing, prioritizing the wrong things. I wanna watch you follow Jesus I want you to slow down my life so that I can be with you and live life to the full and become the man or woman who I was destined to be just take another minute just get your heart right with God this morning like God is switching us to a new time zone. It's like God is replacing the watch upon our wrist, the clock that hangs on our wall, the schedule, the routine that we live by. God's changing it. God's transforming it. You're gonna find all of this week the clock, the Aussie time, it's just going to stick out to you. You're just going to see it everywhere this week, how much of a limitation it is, how ungodly it is, how it hurts people, how it crushes the spiritual life. Let it be exposed, Lord God. Let Aussie time progressivism, evolutionary time, up and to the right time, the scoreboard of success. Lord, let it be exposed in our lives, exposed in our homes, exposed all around us, Lord God. Shake us out of our habits and our routines that do not bring glory to you, Lord God. Deal with our hearts, Lord God, where we've set our hearts upon the wrong measurements, Lord God. Our hearts are set to the wrong pace, Lord God, and it's not bringing life. It's not bringing peace. It's not bringing fruit in our relationships. Thank you for your goodness that you enter into our lives, our minds. Speak truth to us, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus.